Well, hello and welcome to episode 133 of the Adoption and Fostering podcast with me, Scott Casson Rennie, and him, Al Coates. Hello. Al Coates. Hello. Al Coates. It feels like ages since we've done this. Yeah, we've had lots of guests and that's nice. It's nice to have friends. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know. But I don't know. I don't know. I think when life gets too that. stressy. Well, yeah, but I think when life gets too stressy for us, both we just like to do something with no guests. <laughs> yeah. Say what we really it's think. Like, yeah, exactly. Oh, dearie me. Anyway, how are you, Mr. Goots? <sighs> oh, I am. Um, how can I say? The roller coaster of adoption has taken me to giddy new heights. Are you or living the say- dream? I am. I am living. <laughs> I'm living. I'm almost like the poster boy for contemporary adoption because everything yeah. is so fantastically awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd agree with that, actually. I would absolutely agree with that description of yourself. Excellent. And how's things with yeah. you? Um, busy. Busy. I mean, oh. in terms oh. of adoption life, I've, well, as you know, I've taken a step back from it on socials. How's that Been going? Very strict. Very well, actually. Very well. Um, makes, makes me feel better. So, you know. And that, that's um, all that matters. But to be honest with you, I don't have time to be on there anyway at the minute. I so. know you're very busy, aren't you? With your opening and closing the doors on your advent calendar and yeah, exactly. polishing and I don't know what you're up yeah. to. Anyway. Well, no uh, do I, yeah. Do you know what I've discovered? I've discovered about myself, um, and it's maybe... Uh, some people might call it trolling. Some people might just call it creative emailing. I'm not sure. So I haven't used your email. After um, you mentioned yes. it, or Elaine said it might be illegal for me to email on your behalf. Yes. Slightly dubious, questionable morality about that. <laughs> what I've discovered is about half past four on a Friday, there's one of two places I'm usually in. So I'm either on a train going home or I'm... It's, yeah. I have this little ritual on a Friday afternoon if I'm working from home where I put on um, an Ozzy Osbourne album for the last hour of work and I tidy up my emails. Really love it. Right. And Friday afternoons, I get this email from, uh, I'm, I'm not going to say who they are, but you'll guess. It's a faith-based um, adoption recruitment organisation. Right? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of many, so it could be anyone, right? Um, yeah, it could. Yeah, one of one. I got, I got, I get these really jaunty sort of subscription. It's the end of the week. The weekend's coming, sort of emails. Um, and I got one the other week, and it was I can't remember what it was about. Oh, it was an advert for their annual conference, whatever it was, whatever it's called, a summit. And um, it was this. It was like this. You just started them there, and you've just started right. them by saying that. Oh, part. damn. <laughs> summit, damn. Uh, no, it's a conference summit. I misread it. And um, and it was this really jaunty kind of, hey, it's going to be great, and we can do all these crazy, crazy things. And I was just feeling a little impish, mm. but no, knowing that it was because it's subscription email, it's just going to. If I respond to it, it's just going to ping back. But yeah, it exactly, caught me yeah. a moment of lucidity, and I just I set this email back, going, "Thank you so much for inviting me to speak there." I just. <laughs> totally randomly thought I'll just pretend and I, was, oh. I, I welcome the opportunity to speak and there's a range of things I'd be more than happy to discuss with you and sent it off so it was like totally impish knowing that it was just going to bounce back and then it didn't bounce back oh. it didn't did it 
it it didn't bounce back and then and it was from i can't remember the name of the person but it's like it's really jaunty and it's like really personal it's the way the tone makes it feel like an email from mm. someone you know yeah and, mm-hmm. and then it, it didn't bounce back the next day and i was thinking oh that's interesting and then i kind of forgot about it then about about five days later i got this email going hi al um <laughs> I'm not sure whether you misunderstood our last year. <laughs> and so there's this, you could see there's probably been a team meeting where they've gone, what do we do? This poor man's deluded. Yeah. Um, so now I know that that's what happens to their emails when they send them out on Friday. So it's a bit of spot. So this week they sent me an email saying, hey, we're fundraising. Like they need more money, I'm sure. Um, do you want to do a half marathon for us? And I, went, and I thought, oh, I, I thought this is real good fun, this. So I emailed back and said, well, actually, I did a marathon this year. And I'm just, seriously, I'm never doing it again for anyone that's so tough. But I wish you really good luck. So that's my new hobby. Is that trolling? Um, I think it's um, being bold, as they would say in Ireland. You're a bold thing. Um, more front and bright and, you know, replying to, to an email about a conference stroke get together short summit uh and <laughs> offering your summit. imagine if they come back and said um 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 oh well we'd love to have you but um we're a bit booked up now you know like full of embarrassment oh Al, you're terrible but i wish i had your boldness to do stuff like that i, I just <laughs> think it, it's great getting older because i just think what they're gonna do take me off the subscription list well that's true i mean that'd probably be <laughs> A good thing in some ways. Um, yeah, I'm just glad you didn't reply from me. <clears throat> oh, well, that's, maybe my next step. <laughs> that's my next step. <laughs> okay, the news. Can we do it to some other mailing list, not that one, please. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll think, definitely do that. Yeah, anyway, I mean, so nothing against them. They do, they do a great summit, but um, no, not for me. Done it once. Well, that was enough. I, I spoke at the summit, but I don't think I'll ever get invited back after I swore on yeah. the main stage. But that's another story. Um, yeah. So anyway, anyway, anywho, Mm -hmm. lots to get through tonight. So tonight's a really interesting episode because um, I accidentally connected WhatsApp to our Facebook page and then started (laughs) to get, and then people started to... Is that why I've not seen any of this stuff? (laughs) (laughs) Do not change it to my number. If you change it to my number, I will hunt you down and kill you. Oh, that would be fun. Shall we put other people's number in? No. Who could we put? Oh, yeah. Who could we put? Oh, let's oh. put Chris Candaya's mobile number on. <laughs> Dear Chris. <laughs> oh, or Mark Ors. Oh, oh. No, actually, we like Mark. Well, we like Chris as well, but, you know. It'd be more if, fun. If we were rating them, Mark would be farther up. <laughs> oh, so we've got into rating our friends now. That's a, that's a really slippery sub. This is going to be a really long podcast because we've not even said what no. the topic is. No, we so haven't. We, no. Someone got in touch through WhatsApp and they said, um, "Would you have you done any podcasts about um, meeting uh, birth parents at you know around the time of introductions before children mm. move in or after they've just moved in?" And I said, "Actually, no, we've not." And um, so let's do it. So that's tonight's episode is going to be or today's episode or wherever you're listening to it. Um, is going to be about yeah. that. But we've got a few news items before we get to that. I think it would be worth we going do. to. So, so Scott, what's what's yeah. top of the list? What's the, you know, res, uh, weddings, well, funerals, you've, resignations? You, yeah, matches, matches and dispatches. That's, that's what you call them, isn't it? Well, that's what we used to call them in Britain, uh, in Scotland. Oh. Hatches, matches and dispatches. Yeah, so what's, what's in is the that, hatches, matches, that dispatches? Yeah. Well, the dispatches. Well, let's start with dispatches. <clears throat> mm. We got an email the other day, didn't we? 
We did. Yeah, like, we got an email yeah. from from from. Well, who we call and if if she is listening, we've so got nothing sorry. to lose now. Yeah, we haven't, but we call you Sabby because S A B and then put B Y N N. So Sue Armstrong Brown is um, leaving Adoption UK. Yeah. So my five, Xbox five is, is leaving. Yeah, five years. And what what's truly really interesting? So she emailed us, and it was really nice of her to email actually before they yes. announced it. I don't think they were supposed to have announced it quite as quick as it did, from what I gather, from some sources. But um, I had my finger <laughs> on my nose when I said. I think. Yeah, I know. I think the Something emails the were hurried out to the people that, you know, maybe she needed to know. She wanted to know that she was leaving. Anyway, um, but what was interesting was that um, uh, she emailed us personally to to thank us for what we do, which is lovely. Thank you for that, Sue. Um, but um, it's five years. Now, I worked with Sue for two and a half years, of her yeah. five years. And Al, um, uh, not Al, and Hugh Thornbury was there for five years before, but that felt like, like a, a much longer space period of time that he was there Um, and it's interesting because you know Adoption UK has been through some ups and downs and rounds and turns and all that sort of stuff but what I will say is regardless of any kind of errors of judgment that's been made recently maybe um, which we've (laughs) talked about I don't Actually, know what you're talking I, about having having worked there when Sue came on you know that that charity was you know it was uh, Hugh left it in a reasonable condition considering the financial issues that the whole of the, you know, voluntary and adoption support agencies had been through in the previous couple of years with stuff going online, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and Sue picked up and she's really driven it forward. You know I mean? It's now, it seems to be anyway, it seems to be a very kind of uh, financially sound kind of charity nowadays. So well done to her for that. But, you know, she said she's knackered and she wants to pass on to somebody else. So, you know, we can, we can surmise about any other reasons. I've seen it all on Twitter. I mean, I don't post on Twitter a lot lately, but I do read people. I do read. Um, And, you know, there's a lot of kind of people making assumptions, accusations, all that sort of stuff, but can we just forget that? And, you know, it's Adoption UK is, it was set up by adopters for adopters. It wasn't set up for any other reason. Um, And do you know what? Yes, we can, we could argue the toss about them not kind of doing enough for adopted people. We could. And I kind of, I I kind of agree, but I kind of don't agree because actually, you know, that was my place. That's where I got my support early days on their online forums and then on Facebook pages and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, had, had it been kind of opened up to the whole of the adoption community, I'm not sure I would have got that, that support. So we could argue that point, um, but we are where we well, are. Well, yeah, and I think it's really interesting because there's, there's this idea, isn't it, that people have, that there's a narrative on, on Twitter, to where we've seen anyway, in social media and in that sports conversations, the people saying, well, you're there for adopters. Mm. And it's separating out the adopt. It's kind of conveniently forgetting the fact that most, let's say it all, can we say all mm. adopters are there for their children? It's yeah. sort of forgetting that, that yeah. if you support adopters, you're supporting children. If you exactly. are promoting yeah. adopters' welfare, you're promoting children's welfare. And that's really conveniently to, removed. You'd hope so. Yeah. I mean, there'll obviously be exceptions yeah. to that. And, you know, then of course there is. Complicated and stuff, I, but. I mean, I do think the name has a lot to do with Adoption UK. You know, it's it's, it's speaking for the, the world in terms of the whole adoption sphere, isn't it? If yeah. you use a name like that. But, you know, potato, potato, tomato, tomato. It is what it is. Um, yeah. And, yeah, um, you know, 
I, I thought some of that stuff was very job. disingenuous. I thought it was really di- actually. I, yeah, on reflection, I was quite miffed by that because I thought, you know, I don't know Sue beyond your occasional conversation like you do, but I don't doubt her motivation one iota that yeah. a desire is to see adoptive parents support their children as well as they can, and I think that's yeah, it's but really she. But she also wanted to to help the charity get to a place where it was robust and it was there for, you know, the next 50 years. It was 50 years old last year. It ended the year on a sour note. Um, But, you know, look, it is what it is. And, you know, hopefully whoever comes along, can I just confirm, as per my tweet, thank you for all your DMs and messages. I am not applying for the role. (laughs) It's not the time. I am not the person I would have that place shut down from the spa weekends to the champagne Fridays within a week. So it's <laughs> not the job for me. Sorry to say. Um, uh, there's but, a slight yeah. confusion. Yeah. I think in some people's heads that because we've got an opinion that we're actually competent. Yeah. <laughs> and, I know. And, and if I was to, well, exactly. And also by having opinions, you can't, well, you can have an opinion running a charity, I guess, but they have to be kind of <laughs> substantiated <laughs> <Yeah>. and evidenced. <laughs> Just, Not just just to your trustees. Um, whereas our trustees yeah. are, oh, we don't have any, that's exactly No, right. we don't have any. So, and yeah. our complaints department is a waste paper basket in the corner marked rubbish. Yeah, exactly. Or you can WhatsApp Chris Candai. <laughs> <laughs> we won't be putting uh, his number online. Don't worry about it. No, we, sorry. <laughs> yeah, if Chris gets so anyway, like I a, think... a fraught text on Saturday yeah, morning and... off his friends. Exactly. And I was just going to say as well, we have to bear in mind the successes um, just before we move on um, in terms of what Sue's done. You know, the, the adoption barometer, it's only a couple yeah. of years old. It was Sue that came up with that idea. I was there when it started. Um, I remember the very early conversation. I was thinking, how is this going to work? You know, this is this seems a bit silly. Um, actually, it works really well. Mm-hmm. We get a really good kind of view of what's going on in adoption land. Um, you know, they've covered some really good topics from education to FASD to other things. Um, it's coming again this year. Well, I think it's out now, actually, isn't it? It um, is. So, you know, yes. We could we could look at Absolutely. a lot of the negatives, but actually, um, you know, I I applaud Sue for what she's done, and I think she has left Adoption UK in a really good place. And you know, absolutely, yeah, she's, things are better yeah. with her. And we've got a little bit of an announcement, haven't we, as well? Um, <sighs> no, 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 no. And why did you say no. that, God? Why did you say I sh- that? I should have brought a sharp knife with me. Didn't bring it, but what to cut the wires on your microphone? Um, yeah. <laughs> excellent. <laughs> I've, You've got I've, an announcement, Al, haven't you? All right. <laughs> um, like men with nothing better to do in their lives, we decide. No, like ago, a man with nothing to do. Right, in okay. His life. okay, fair enough. Like a man with nothing better to do in his life. Um, a, a long time ago, we asked a children's minister to come on the podcast, and said minister. Well, I can't believe reflect- you're actually saying this out loud. Right. Go so, on. So, 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 this is quite a few years ago now, actually. It's, it is. I remember where I was when he cancelled. <laughs> and and I so canceled. did you cover that. I cancelled, if you remember. Yes, you did. Yes, <laughs> thankfully. Anyway, go on. Sorry. Spoiler so your story. A, we asked the children's minister if he would come on and his team let him, because that's the relationship that was going on at the time between the children's minister mm-hmm. and the powers that be. They said he was allowed to. With, with no pre-meeting either. Just saying. There was no meeting, but I I probably have eight hours of emails worth of conversation. Yeah, yeah. So a, lo- a long story short, that that meeting didn't go ahead for some very, should I say, those circumstances. I found myself in a in a court, um, 
in the hours that the interview was scheduled to happen, um, uh, and it was child-related, uh, mm-hmm. I'd done nothing wrong, but let's imagine that I was supporting one of my children with a complicated set of circumstances. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Ironically, in the very court that I'd adopted them in, this is pre. Mm-hmm. This is when you used to have to take children before the judge, and they used to, yeah. have to say the right things. So, at the very same courthouse, I, was, I found myself in a complicated set of circumstances and could not attend the interview. So we cancelled it. Thirty seconds later, yeah. he was he was then he was sacked, removed from he? office. He was removed, he was from, removed office. from office. <laughs> there was a huge collective sigh of relief, and we thought, "Oh, we dodged that bullet." Then, didn't we? You know, pointless all that effort and energy to have an interview, then for him to get sacked. Anyway, yeah. long story short. As if by magic, the words fell out of my lips again. I said, any chance of an interview with the minister? And and they said, yes, basically. So, so that was a the, long way to get to the announcement, wasn't it? So it basically, was. we are going, story. yeah, we are going to be interviewing uh, the children's minister, Will Quince, mid-March, shall we say. Yeah, I think that's the fair kind of well early March, not mid March, because that would be you know just in case. But the good news is we had, uh, and I think this is the difference. We actually had a pre-meet today, <laughs> the DFE. Some very serious people had some very stern yeah. words with us. <laughs> yeah, and um, we didn't have that last time, which was interesting. So I think, this, I think we should have taken a lot from that. Um, yeah. But we had a pre-meet today and um, we were offered the opportunity to um, give some ideas of things that we might want to talk about. And we were encouraged. We were encouraged Actually, to yes. ask our listeners if they had any questions for the minister. Mm. Now, we're only going to have an hour with them, just to be clear. Yeah. <laughs> and... Knowing our listeners, there will be some with some really reasonable questions. There'll be some who we've already kind of covered that in the questions that, well, not the questions, but the areas that we want to cover. But there will also be some that kind of we haven't covered. So really keen to listen, um, to get some questions, some comments. We don't want anything about politics, about parties at number 10, nothing like that. And Anybody who comes at us, you will just not have your question asked. It's that simple. If you're going to be angry about it, please don't. Okay? Be nice. Yeah. Play nice. And we might ask you a question if we get the chance. I'm just putting this out there because I'm just fed up. Like we did this with um, the the care review and people oh. were just not very nice at all. Um, not just <laughs> not to us, but, you know, it, so just please don't. I've not got the time nor the bloody energy for it this year. Oh, but right? it's fun. Got too much on. <laughs> It's not fun. It's not fun. It's just horrible. So there you go. That, that right, is the condition. Yeah. Um, uh, so Al's number is 07. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am apparently part of the Illuminati. I am part of the deep state cabal. I am mm. the swamp. I am the. the I am yeah, earning millions things. out of this. So that, none and, of that. Uh, that's, but that's what I was just going to say as well. This is our opportunity to actually put some really genuine questions to him. We're not getting paid. We're not part of the DFE. We're, we're not funded by them. We don't get nothing from them, right? We fund this ourselves. Because that was one, I, I noticed even a couple of weeks ago, there was somebody tweeted, uh, retweeted one of our tweets and said, oh, these guys are part of the DFE, blah, blah. No, we really aren't. So genuinely, if you've got a question, email it, DM it, or WhatsApp Because <laughs> apparently we're on WhatsApp now as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, publicly comment on it, you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, 
And we'll, you know, we will filter them into categories and hopefully be able to ask them all if we get the chance, but we do only have an hour of them. Excellent. So there you go. That's, that I'm quite excited about that, even though it'll be, apparently he's very personable and it'll all be very good. Yeah. yeah so it'll be exactly. good. Cool. So um, now to the, a little bit of news, um, proper news. Um, I have uh, my contact, the, you know, the my secret squirrel um, who sends mm-hmm. me things. Um, and I don't really know who he is, but he does. I get he's he's like a occasionally I get these articles or these um, court rulings sent to me by this person, and they just send, and they say you may want to read this. You may and so he'll no doubt have questions for the minister. I've, well, I've told you it's a he, so that's fifty percent. Mm-hmm, um, well um, but he sent me an, an article at the end of the last year about the Somerset judgment. So are you familiar at all with this? Have you seen anything of this on this on social media? Absolutely nothing. And I, you sent me it. I had a quick read of it. I've seen nothing before this. And what I think is really useful is the fact that I don't know anything. So you're going to have to explain it so everybody else will understand it. Well, I think it's an issue for um, prospective adopters or people who are pre-placement <coughs> order. And for some people who maybe had just, just had their placement order, uh, adoption order. Um, so the issue was that um, there was a ruling at the end of last year that Somerset Council, 10 of their adopted children... And the adoption orders had gone through, but then there was a, it was challenged by some sort of eagle-eyed barrister who said, "Well, actually, I'm not sure that the procedures have been gone through appropriately." And it was all to do with the medical, um, the medical advisor's input to the child protection, mm-hmm. no child permanence reports. Sorry, and so because yeah. they hadn't had any input to the child permanence reports, it questioned whether the ADM's decision was legal. Mm-hmm. So you think about you because you sit on a panel. You have a medical advisor, yeah, yeah. yeah. But have you, how long have you sat on panels? Because when I first sat on panels, we used to have we used to approve um, mm-hmm. CPR child permanence reports. You used to yeah, sign them off. But I I sat on panels that long ago. But also the uh, medical advisor, the legal advisor, this advisor, that advisor would also sit on the panel as well, and that's. Mm kind of moved on as well, hasn't it? The, the medical advisor, legal advisors don't have to sit on the panels anymore. Ah, that's, that may be where this little blurred area is coming. So what mm. Somerset have said about the 10 specific cases said that actually on review, there's no change. There was, there's nothing that would have made them not made those decisions. But then mm-hmm. they said, actually, there's 250 that have already gone through. And then this has sort of caused a ripple where other local authorities have started to look at their procedures and discovered that some of them are also in this similar situation. So in some ways, it's a, it's a, for a lot of people who perhaps two or three years down the line, it's maybe not an issue, but yeah. I'm seeing online in my, so the community groups I'm into, that people's adoptions have been paused while everyone gets right. the paper in words. So that's kind of another, you know, when we talked about adoptions, numbers going down that's another stall on adoptions another pressure of slowing adoptions down which but if procedures haven't been gone through they haven't been gone through got to do it right well, i have to say if if it's not been done right then it needs to review because you know that isn't right is it you know we can't just assume that a legal um, sorry a medical advisor or even a legal advisor is just going to go tick 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 gone without actually reading the case yeah. um but i have to say that i think that you know, you've just mentioned panels there, and I only say this because this is my thoughts on it, but I do think that um, one of the reasons, one of, not all the only reason, but one of the reasons that they took that um, obligation away from panels to have someone from the legal team or the 
medical advisor away was to minimize the number of people around the table. Um, so they reduced the chorus of a panel. Um, but I'm not sure it was, yeah, I don't know, you know, that was based on feedback from prospective adopters who were going to mm. panel felt intimidated by so many people, et cetera. And I do sometimes wonder if it was the right thing to do because actually as a panel member, I haven't, for one of the panels I sit on, I've never met the medical advisor. Um, so, you know, and I've been on that panel for a couple of years. Um, so, a, It is a tricky issue because um, I am aware of, not recently, but a legal, legal cases where parents, adoptive parents have come back and said, stuff was known about my children's mm. medical history and this has not then transferred into, we weren't made aware of that. And we, the children we've got are not the children we thought we had. And the needs yeah. of our children mean that we can't. And um, I, I'll dance around confidentiality, but I was asked to be an, an expert. I mean, can you imagine me an expert <laughs> witness? That's one. I've just literally killed my career there, haven't I, by saying that? Can you imagine me an expert witness? Yeah. That's like replying <laughs> to an email and saying, "Thank you for inviting me to come and speak at your summit." <laughs> nope. This is a terrible CV. If I ever apply for a job, they'll just listen to one episode. Uh, and go, the man's a yeah. nobody. So I was has to be a, an expert. Um, witness in a case like that where there'd been concerns mm. that medical stuff hadn't been passed on um, and the impact on that family it was catastrophic you know it was lifelong yeah. that they were that the mm. needs of the children were not manifest and long story short but that has been the case where and so you think this all plays into that where people are going to go well hang on you knew you know maybe there was a history of mental yeah. health or maybe and it's the questions marks that are complicated for families aren't it you know if there's certainty around health conditions, fine. But if, yeah, so right higgledy-piggledy mm. mess that we don't particularly yeah. need at this time. No one needs this. No, we don't. Children don't need no. this. Hell. Hey, so that's, the, so that's the Somerset judgment. If you Google it, you can find some stuff out there. Coram Baff are advising agencies how to unravel this. So that's one of the things they're oh, doing. Oh, wow, okay. Um, mm. It's, it is big of Coran Baff for doing that. Yeah, they've they've brought the big guns out. I think uh, John Simmons mm -hmm. is on the case, and he's like the the brain, isn't he? He's the brain of adoption. Bless he him. Is. He is. And um, so to the main event. Shall we get to the main event? Yeah, let's 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 talk about this because I think it's an interesting topic. So, uh, the issue is around meeting adoptive parent, meeting birth parents prior mm. to adoption at the very sort of beginning. So I'll start. I'll start with you, Scott. Were you asked to meet the parent parents of your children? Mm, interesting. <laughs> we fell at the first. No, level. it's interesting because I'm just wondering how much to share because it's not really my. I don't think it's my place to share. But we asked if we could, and it was. Uh, it went back to the. Yeah. children's local authority to, to see if that could happen and et cetera, et cetera. And there was dates made and all that sort of stuff. Um, and it just never happened. It never happened. And I, I'm gutted now looking back at the time. I'm not sure. I, hmm. So this is, this is pre-social media, bear in mind, you know, didn't have really a, a reference point apart from one person who was adopted who came on our, pre um, our preparation. Um, they seemed really happy and really well adjusted and, you know, all those things that, you know, <laughs> happen when you go on a preparation course because like everybody wants children. you to go through. Like yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we we were really keen to do it, um, but it just never happened. And 
circumstances um very different circumstances the second time as well um mm. i will say that so the first time it was it was more a choice that was made um by family just not to meet us um the second time it was kind of there was medical reasons why we couldn't meet them um it wasn't covid because it was too long ago to be covered it's just it was so i yeah i i'm not in a place where i can talk about my personal experience but all i can say is i'm gutted that it didn't happen and i feel like if it had we may have had a little bit more of an insight into life generally but also had that kind of ability to be able to connect because i do feel that you know we would have done some of the stuff that other people have done in terms of you know maintaining more contact in a different way than just you know popping a letter in to post lads which is rubbish yeah. let's face it. i mean and, re- I and wanna... reading through all the experiences i mean i you know i'm quite envious of some people who have that kind of relationship um and we've talked to quite a few people in the podcast you know i i, I would love for us to have that kind of just to have that position of, you know, being able to do it. Um, but it's just never been possible, sadly. I think it's interesting that of all of the, um, when we asked for comments or questions or we're doing this subject, can you give us a few thoughts? This is probably the one where we've had the most responses, um, which I thought was slightly interesting, really, because like mm. you, um, we, yeah, and I think it's totally appropriate. We don't want to share the the, de- the gory details of In, what happened. But yeah. Like you, I was up for the idea of meeting um, mm. the first time through, very much so. Um, but yeah, like you would also, in retrospect, it, it was a very isolated time. You know, you, it's hard to imagine, isn't it, good to go back and think of mm. a time where you just, all you had was your social worker. Yeah. <laughs> and what they said. That was it, yeah. Really difficult to get. And maybe the people you'd been through the prep course with, uh, maybe yeah. we, I know we kept in, cup with a cu- in touch with a couple but beyond that, really difficult. So I think that we were mm. very much up for it. But like you, arrangement. You don't have a reference point, do you? But you yeah. don't have a reference point, particularly. I mean, no, a little bit different because I would imagine, I'd hope that you know, when when going through the preparation and and all that sort of stuff, social workers, etc., having newer experiences and more up to date experiences, will understand that actually that's a really key part of it. Um, you know, they might not yeah. be in place to to maintain that contact, but you know, at least if you're kind of, you know, if it's almost compulsory in a way, I think it should be um, to some points, um, as long as it's safe. To, you know, <laughs> like, well, there's always context around that. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I'll be really honest with you. You say safe, and I think that's a door that swings both ways in this case because I mm. think that. Um, I'm really conscious of the, my professional experience of working with uh, um, working with families in care in North, in North Newcastle, and seeing how immeasurably vulnerable a lot of the adults are who have their yeah. children removed, mm-hmm. and actually to kind of waltz in, you're, you're asking a really big ask, and it's predominantly women, it's predominantly yeah. young women, um, with complicated needs, mm-hmm. asking them to kind of rock up. Be- but you know, in front of Mr. and Mrs. Nice or Mr. and Miss, Mr. and Mr. Nice yeah. or you know whatever, they were living a lovely middle class life, and everything's yeah. lickety boo, and sit mm-hmm. there and and kind of give account. Yeah, almost felt uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. How do you do that? That's really messy. Yeah, you've got a point with that. Um, and I think, but I think that if you did it as an adopter, you you would have you would have, actually. There's probably 
equal amounts of preparation going into both sides nowadays, isn't it? Because whereas before it was just like, yeah, so, you know, just just to help your child, we're going to make sure that you meet their new parents. And, and just to help your new child, we're going to introduce you to their birth parents kind of thing. That was, that was, you know, I'm not saying that's as far as it went, but that's how, that's what it felt like. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I'd hope that that's going to change. Yeah. And well, I'm going to roll out some of the, the comments because they were really mm. good. So Ray, who I may have been her social worker at some point with her, but that's another <laughs> complicated story. But I think there's a statute of limitations on that. So that's maybe five or six years ago. <laughs> um, and she, it was fostering. So it's a different kettle of fish. Um, she said, be kind, um, listen well. Um, and Kerry of Kerry and Charlotte, and we've got, and Charlotte yeah. actually recorded a really interesting piece. So at the end of this conversation, we're going to put on Charlotte. She's mm-hmm. at the very last six minutes and she kind of just really articulates some really good thoughts from a perspective of a birth parent. So Kerry, who's mm-hmm. the kind of the other half, if that's the yeah. right way, yeah. that right? that's probably wrong. Yeah. She's, Whatever. She said, yeah, you know what I mean? She said, remember, it will almost always be more difficult for them than you. Talk to adopted adults to find out what they would have liked to have known as a child about their birth parents mm, show them mm. kindness so kindness is a really a yeah. common one there isn't it it's really difficult yeah. and i was looking and there's some there are some good resources out there if you look in like the adoption uk website there's um you know it gives a there's a i can maybe put the link in the podcast um in the show notes but Asking questions, you know, about pregnancy, babyhood, family life, inheritance, really, really small details. But you think, for that parent, yeah. that's really, you know, what was it like to be pregnant with mm-hmm. our, the child we've taken off? Yeah. That's yeah. What was your pregnancy like, et cetera, et cetera. And that brings back quite a bit of, you know, well, it could almost be triggering to the point where they leave that, you know, yeah. it kind of sends them back into a place that you don't want them to go. So, I mean, I think that would be the thing if I was going to go back into it and do it again. And I think that's probably what was missing is that I would really want to ensure that both us and the birth parent were prepared. And actually I would want to know, I would want to let them know beforehand the questions because to kind of bounce Mm. some of those questions on people, you think, Oh, that's a kick in the pants. Um, but I think as well, Al, if we were doing it now, I think it would be very different, wouldn't it? Well, I hope it would be very different. I keep what? saying think. Hope. Well, what do you mean by very different? I, well, I think that you would potentially want to ha- have that first meeting as the start of a relationship rather than just a one-off to say, hi, we're, you're, you know, to, to be yeah. one about it and patronise and say, you know, hi, we're your kids' new parents. And, you know, we just want to know as much as we can so that we can share it with them as is age appropriate. I, I'd love to think that, you know, if I was doing it now, I'd, I would do it very differently. And I'd hope that social workers would support that and say, you know, look, we just want to meet you today, um, but we would like to to help our, help our share child. Um, and I don't know if that's the right word, but um, our share child in terms of, um, you know, being able to nurture them and to, you know, help them into the next stages of their life by keeping a yeah. kind of relationship with you. And whilst that might be hard for you at times, we'll understand that. If you don't want us in it, you know, if you don't want us in your life for whatever reason, then, you know, say, but you're, you know, can come back at any time, etc. You know, all that sort of stuff that we hear because that's the experience, isn't it? Um, and I think that's kind of what I listen to when I'm talking to people who've actually achieved that or been through that process. And it's very yeah. much, 
you know, it's not, it's not, it's not us parenting them. It's just us understanding that actually this is quite a traumatic experience for them as well. Um, and of course we all have our ups and downs and daily bits and bobs that we have to deal with, you know, actually we haven't had a child taken off us and placed with strangers yeah. and we aren't a child that's been placed with strangers and taken off our parents. So I think that's where the kind of understanding and empathy, it's, I don't know if empathy is the right word because that feels a bit patronising as well, but you know, until unless you've experienced it, how can you, you know, yeah. you can't. Do you think though there's an element of, because how did you, right, let's be really honest, let's be really honest. How did you, because you've, right, you, you've been matched with children, you've read mm. their child permits report, which has been signed mm-hmm. off by a medical advisor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and to be honest with you, I remember being quite, um, what's the word? A little bit cross. Is that the right word? Mm-hmm. Thinking, how did you let this happen? Some of the stuff yeah. that my children experienced. <clears throat> so was I a little bit callous? Was I a little bit caught up in my world? Probably. So it's an interesting point for both of us, isn't it? That like now you and I were both whatever, however many years, decade plus yeah. down the road where that just stuff doesn't seem as, I still get cross about some of the experiences of my children, mm. but I don't, it doesn't burn as much. I don't, I'm not angry with the birth parents. I'm probably much more, my view of them is much more tempered and much more moderated by mm. <laughs> just getting older and being a bit wiser, hopefully. Um, mm. So I, I do wonder whether we're asking an awful lot of everybody involved at that time. Um, mm. Interesting uh, couple of, Sean Bundy said, um, so she said, you know, we we asked, we had three questions. We were, that were forwarded by the social workers. That they'd written the answers out, written the questions um, and kept them for the future, really, but also kind of being able to articulate how difficult they it was going to be for the parent. Because one of the comments we got back was, um, actually, don't expect that much because we didn't get that much. Mum couldn't remember. Yeah. And that's the other thing, isn't it? Because you would be, I, I don't know, if you're if you're a bit daft, then you might go into it thinking that they're going to be as excited about you as the fact that, you know, they found their children and your family. No, but you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I saw yeah. that 20 years ago. I don't know about you, but I saw that 20 years ago. I mean, you know, like a, I don't know, documentary I was watching a couple of weeks ago um, of adoption many moons ago. You know, there was, there was a little bit of that threaded through it. Um, and it's interesting because I... I watched it and then by the end of the process, you could see that actually they were really hitting the reality or sorry, they were really hit with the reality of what it was like to have, you know, children who they hadn't birthed come along and, and, you know, have a real impact on their relationship um, with one of the couples. And it, it was, it was quite, I could relate to it in a lot of ways because you know, my experience was a couple of years later, but, you know, thinking that you could change the world just by having these little people placed with you who you could make a difference in their life. And, you know, yes, you do make a difference, but you're, it's not the difference that you potentially think. And I just think that it's very difficult to, you know, when I, when I think about some of the panels I've sat on and some of the kind of um, written comments from birth parents about the adoptions and, um, you know, within the child permanence and all that sort of stuff, it's very difficult to kind of remove yourself from the thought that, you know, they, so the realities of what the, the child had experienced by being, 
um, brought up in that environment or, you know, whatever it, it was that happened in terms of why they were removed. But the, the clear thing was that the majority of times you could really feel the passion and the love for these children. It's just that they were mm. unable to make that change in their life to be able to retain the rights to keep their children. And that's, that's a really hard thing to read when your brain is telling you these guys really love those children, but then you're thinking, but they did this and they couldn't stop doing that. That's hard. It's so that, tricky, I, isn't it? Yeah. And if you've read a hundred panel papers or a hundred files or a hundred child, child permanence reports, you know, imagine being coming to that first without having read one before in your life, you know, really difficult, really, really tricky kind of situations. And I think that's where it gets very hard because we started this off this conversation with me saying, yeah, we should do this and the next thing. And actually now I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking, you're right. You know, we have to think about the situation of, of people, everybody, not just the birth parents, but also the adoptive parents in terms of where they're at. And, you know, social workers maybe knowing more than, dare I say it, more than is written in a bit of, on a bit of paper. I don't know. I'm just saying sometimes that can happen. How sometimes, not all the time. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I think that those comments are sort of, um, there's lots of comments, but what you've said there, I think it sort of is reflected, you know, I'm Julie saying, um, said that we had a really positive experience, but mainly because the social worker had set boundaries beforehand um, and kind of sort of kept it really contained because you could imagine it just this this situation unfolding that became really negative, toxic for maybe mm. one or two or everyone. Um because again, it was interesting. I was at, you know, I went to the adoption roundtable a few weeks ago, and one of the things that's really stuck in my head was something that Beverly Barnett Jones said. Um, you know, she came on the podcast talk from the Nuffield friend of the show. Observatory, yeah. friend, friend of the show. I'd love to get her back on. We must get her back on. Yeah, and she said, often adoption is built around the worst case scenario, all of the like the risks and the contact issues around contact and you mm. know, conversations with birth family are built around the worst doom laden situation yeah. and those situations are there we said but most of it is kind of the other end the most of it is kind of in the middle where it's pretty benign it's neglect which is not not i'm not saying neglect no, it, yeah <laughs> no. right and neglect yeah. the impacts of neglect are catastrophic you know they are catastrophic mm. for our children um just as catastrophic as any other forms of abuse in any situation but it it the people who are perpetrating neglect, there's a different thing there. Sometimes, right, there's willful neglect. Sometimes it's not willful. Sometimes it's ignorance. Sometimes it's people caught up with mental ill health. You know, things like 50% of parents who are children in the care system got mental ill health. Yeah. So it's just this, you know, it's so Lots easy because the media, there, yeah, the media wants to paint it as this, you know, the, the general perception is that uh, birth parents, bad, adoptive parents, yeah. good. And it's just not good. that. <laughs> no, and it really isn't. It just, it genuinely isn't. I mean, but 20 years ago, I would have thought exactly the same thing, you know, coming into yeah. the, the the era of new adoption, because, you know, we applied for to adopt thinking that, you know, it was um, uh, children who'd been, you know, the... <laughs> I hate using the word relinquish because not everybody likes it, but relinquish children whose parents were this. And then we kind of had our eyes open very quickly in terms of the kind of children. Yeah. And, you know, and that's, that's a massive thing because the 
child's experience is very different. But what I do find interesting is when I speak to my children in terms of their relationships with birth families and stuff like that and how they remember it, how they see it, what they want for the future, what they don't want for the future. Um, and I can have that conversation with them. I don't know about you, but, you know, two of them are adults. One of them isn't quite an adult, but we have a very, very open yeah. forum on this sort of stuff because, you know, well, let's face it, they never didn't know they were adopted, similar to three years, you know. You know um, yeah. I kind of, it's odd. Two men, two men can't you. have them. No, <laughs> yeah. yes, yes. Someone worked that out pretty damn quick. I find it really odd because I think that we probably have a similar sort of open door policy, which is more than just an open door. It's like a, yeah. right, we've come through the door and we're going to talk about it. Exactly. Yeah, it's just exactly. there. It's just, it's just yeah. in front of our faces all the time. And I was thinking about, um, and I don't want to speak on behalf of Elaine, but Elaine, I think, is very much similar. This stuff is on the yeah. table all the time because it's yeah. so present. And I mm-hmm. just wonder, is that normal? Do you think we're... Yeah. I don't know if it isn't. I I don't know if it is or isn't because actually to begin with, it felt very foreign. You know, it didn't feel, I didn't feel comfortable to begin with, but I felt that um, it was a subject that we needed to talk about. Now, maybe not so much with the older two um, when they were as young as Jacob is. Jacob's only just 15 and a half. So he's got, he's got real thoughts on things. I've met him. He's um, got an opinion yeah, on you. Yeah. Like. <laughs> he has. Um, and when we're talking opinions, we're not talking about having a debate about it. We're talking about he has opinions and that's it. He's not swayed by them in any way, shape or form. Um, oh, but um, I'm not so sure we were as open with the older two um, so young. But actually, having having witnessed their experience of being back in contact with birth, birth family and all that sort of stuff, actually, it just needed to be done. It needed to be mm. acceptable that if it happened, uh, if Jacob wanted to happen, it to happen to you know, if he went in search, or if if mum came or dad came in search of him, that it happened, and he shouldn't feel bad about it. He shouldn't feel that yeah. he's done anything wrong. It, you know, all those kinds of things. Because I'm very, very keen for him not to feel the guilt, but I know that he still feels the guilt. He oh, doesn't say it, but I know he feels it because, of course, he would. He's he's a human being at the end of the day, you know. But yeah. I never want him to think that it's uh, as a result of this, that, or the next thing. Um, and when he's when he wants to, you know, when he wants to, I'm I'm kind of there, and he does. He does it all the time, you know. Sometimes in the most weirdest places, <laughs> just start talking about random stuff with adoption that's random to me, not to him, obviously. But it's obviously been on his mind, and it's like, mm. boom, there's a question gone out. But the interesting thing is, with the older two, they used to try and shock us with stuff like that. Not with Jacob. Jacob just comes out of it, and and we deal with, you know, we talk about it. Um, is that a change? I hope so. Should everybody like be like that? I would like to think so. But I don't think, you know, if you had a three-year-old place that you should kind of start talking, how do you feel today? Are you, are you all right with these strangers that they've moved in? But You know, that kind of stuff. I don't think that's kind of the way that it should be. I think you should let them have the childhood, but just be open to it as they go through it. But at 15, 16, maybe even as young as 13, maybe, I'm not saying that's appropriate, but, you know, maybe just those conversations need to be in the forefront of our heads as adoptive parents to make sure that, you know, the children actually feel comfortable with the whole thing from, from as early as they have an opinion on it. Well, yeah, I mean, we're just a little bit off the beaten track, but I think- We that, are um, very much. Off, yeah. There's a little bit off topic, but we'll get back on. Well, I'm sure we will. But I, we will. yeah, I mean, like without, we've got, 
I've got a 28 year old to a six year old. I've got every, everything in between. And um, if I'm talking to the 28 year old about her experience, it's, you know, there's this huge call for peer support, um, mm. you know, for adopted people. Um, yeah. And we've kind of all, you know, just the nature of the number of us that we've got that. So it's, you know, 10-year-old looks at the 28-year-old, the 25-year-old, the 24-year-old, the 17-year-old, the 16-year-old and goes, are you telling me there's a different way to be? (laughs) Are there there people living something different somewhere else? Is there an alternative (laughs) to this? Because every, all of the siblings are formed by genes and law. Mm. And so it's just on the table. So, you know, we talk about it all the time. Yeah. uh, yeah. And having been to your house and been to when all six of them are together, it's just, it's all, it's there, you know. We'll sit and have adult conversations with the adult people about this and the next thing. And, you know, even in the, what, maybe four or five years I've been visiting your house, I've seen such a, such a move in terms of their progression as well. Not not least because two of them have had children, but <laughs> also their experiences. And, you know, you were t- talking about the, previous minister and I remember same said young person shall we say who um was in that courtroom and now like five six years ago wouldn't have really been able to hold a conversation with that person because you know wouldn't be in the right place but now can sit and have a proper real full-on conversation about anything and you know not just adoption stuff you know other yeah. stuff as well so you know that that's how it moves on yeah i mean yeah absolutely i think that it, I, th- I think there probably are lots of families out there but and it, but it, again it's all child-led and i think that we've just created yeah. uh, you've created your own version of normal and it's our version of normal and uh, you know the people yeah. that got that as well um, yeah we are a little bit off point aren't we but we are a little are bit we? Yeah. we've yeah. got meandering um i don't know people will probably relate or not yeah but i think it's just that perception of birth parents because i think what's interesting now is that i've still not met my adopted children's birth parents um Mm. um, and i've met lots of people around and all that but i've not and um it's kind of coming it's looming towards us um and i just really regret not having met her right back in 1999 yeah. which is a long time mm. ago um it's a very long time ago it's a very it was a very long time ago and i think that just listening to people who've had that opportunity i think it's sort of informed their it has informed their contact which was you what you mentioned you know that that letter writing you're writing to a person an individual um and hopefully writing back um I mean, you, you can go onto our Facebook page and you can see all of the answers that people have written. You know, there's a lot of really practical stuff. And there's a link on there as well to the Adoption UK. Um, uh, they've got a resource there with lots of different things. Um, but I think that everyone generally says it's a positive thing. Having said that, I think there is one person who said, actually, it wasn't a very positive experience at all. Um I'm just trying to find the comment. Um, That's organised. Just well, this isn't sponsored, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. This, <laughs> there's one person who said actually they had it and it just it, it didn't. And whether that was maybe just down to the nature of the, the the circumstances or whether it was just not facilitated particularly well. But I think if I was yeah. if 
if I was going into it now, I would kind of really want this to be like a military operation. I, I wouldn't want just us thrown into a room, but you would hope that social workers would have the practice experience to kind of make that work well and do stuff. Oh, there's one person here who talks about yeah, having photographs. I agree. Well, get a photograph with mm. your birth. But all of that, you can feel it. Oh, I, I have total empathy with the, the biological parents. Oh, that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. Look what you could have won. I do as well. I mean, I don't, that, but this is it. You know, this is, oh, I don't know. It's such a murky area in a lot of ways. But it's also, you know, cut and dry in some ways that you should, if you can, you know. But we know that not every birth parent is going to be in the right place for this. Um, and if they're not in the right place, you know, we don't want to inflict any more pain on them than what they're already no. experiencing. Um, yeah. And it could take two years, could take three years, could take five years until they're ready. But actually, if if you get that call in five years to say, I'd like to meet you now, then, you know, crack on, do it. Because, you know, if they're in the right place, you might not be by the end. <laughs> a shadow of your former self. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But no, I just think, you know, I, I yeah, I mean, I can't go into any detail. I wish I could, but it's not, number one, it's not my story. And number two, it'd be given too much away in terms of personal kind of details and stuff. But if it happens for us, I will grasp it and I'll run with it at the, you know, at the kind mm. of speed that that person wants to go with it. Um, sorry, both people, because actually, you know, we're talking about a young, a young person who has a say in this as well. And, you know, um, we need to bear that in mind when they get to a certain age that actually, you know, they might have an opinion on it as well. So, but I just feel like it would have done us a lot of good to have met them when they were ready. Um, and I wish, I wish it had happened, but sadly it didn't. And, you know, I'm, that's why I know it's not something I preach about, but I, I do wish things had been different. Mm. It is so complicated. I mean, we're coming, we're moving towards a position where we're going to meet and it's, you know, like I said, 20 odd years later, but what I, and you mentioned it before um, about in relation to Jacob and the complicated feelings it raises in him, but that those feelings are really still complicated in my adult girls who are looking. Mm. And they're, you know, they are, you know, they're in late 20s. And yeah. um, I had this, I can't remember, again, it was another, I think it was Dawn Harker. She, I was listening, I'd had that conversation with her and just really got, really dawned on me that, that my child, my, you know, my adopted child may not go looking because, you know, you, you often hear about your know, children not go, not reconnecting until their parents are dead. And I, now I, was, yeah. I thought, oh, that's awful. That's, you know, if that's... I, that is awful. That is for, for, for so many reasons, you know, that, oh. and I, that, that's, that was what I was trying to hook into earlier was that thought for me that my sons might wait until that point and then go right we're free i would never want them to wait that long you know we've got the no, no, I, I would, and we're free yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I would hate to think that because of something that i said when they were little or you yeah. know something oh, i've yeah. done that they felt that they could never do that because that would just i yeah i would i would you know I'd, i i would have failed as a as a human being not as a parent or as anything that, but as a human being to have that kind of, yeah, no, well, I don't the, like that. The thing that Dawn really sort of really just sparked something in my head and she sort of articulated really well, and I can't remember the words she used, but she said it, it's not that 
I want to, it's, it's that I feel loyal and there's nothing they can say. Yeah. I, I feel a loyalty towards mm. my adoptive parents. And I just, and I had to really think that through and think, well, actually, yeah, that really is manifesting, especially one of my daughters. Yeah. And I sort of had to, I had this conversation with her. I said, it is not disloyal. No. No. But again, it's, I had another quote. I'm, I'm always I like, I'm like a sponge at things. And then, um, and I can't remember where I heard it, but someone said, there's this moment where you stop being the picture and you become the picture frame in relation to your children. And it, and it right. felt like that in relation to adoption of my children, that actually this, when they're little, the stories, it's mm. with the main players. And it was just the sense of actually, you need to go and do what you need to go, go and do now. And mm -hmm. I'm happy to meet or not meet. I'm happy to go with yeah. you or not go with you. I'm happy to... What whatever you want is the thing that's going mm -hmm. to make me the most happy, and really try and reiterate yeah. that and reinforce that. And, <coughs> um, mm -hmm. and I think that's going to come. It'll come when it comes. Really, you know that my yeah. children are meeting their mum now, seen her a few times. And what I've interesting I've noticed over in our language, and this is well off point, but um, I've started to purposefully call my children's mum mum, but in context they know what it is yeah. it's, it's like a little experiment so i go well you know your mom you know when you when your mom was young this happened and you can you can see that they, they know who i'm talking about it's really yeah. odd and not not your mom but your mom and they go all right yeah yeah, yeah. But i think i think they're really perceptive and really catch on to stuff like that it's no different to you know when um thinking about two dads you know the boys knew who we were talking about very early days because of the tone that we used or whatever. And we knew who they were talking to as well because of the, how they spoke to us and stuff like that. So I think, I think, I think it's a bit of instinct in there, but that's yeah. so true. So if they say, uh, yeah. go, your dad wants help with his um, train track, which dad are they wanting help <laughs> No, not to come with me. <laughs> <laughs> and your, dinner's, yeah. your dad's made you dinner. Who is it? It's you. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, it's funny. Yeah. Fun in games. So um, I think we probably, we sort of danced around that a little bit. We'll never cover, we, yeah, I was going to say, we'll never cover the, top, cover the topic in full without, I often feel like when we talk about things that we don't necessarily have personal experience of, we're kind of, we're kind of commenting on something that we don't, know about but yeah. how we might like it have liked it might have liked it to have been so it's an interesting one and you know i think both of us at some point are going to go through that experience maybe much later than we th thought or hoped in the beginning but you know if it you know similar to you i'm very much like you know don't don't feel any obligation to me or mm -hmm. to you know anybody actually um you had yeah. you know you had a family before you even before we even knew you existed so you know it, yeah that's yeah it's a it's a funny one it's a funny it is. one well i think it would be appropriate that we left it with um with charlotte who was on the podcast beginning of last year charlotte and yeah. kerry who did and charlotte, charlotte is um, Carrie, yeah. very kindly very kindly she put together a little sorry that was a a little person crept in there did you see them boop, and, boop, they, boop. and they put the phone yes on i the did desk i did to charge um, oh, I didn't even see them. So they actually, that little person went under so that they weren't yeah. seen on the screen just in case. Oh, you've got them well trained, honestly. Oh, <sighs> she's she's camera shy, bless her. Um, parenting 101, right then. Yeah. Don't interrupt my <laughs> podcast. That's Parenting 101 around here. Um, 
and we have to turn off all the lights so that the electricity works and things like that. Um, no, so, so Charlotte is going to come on. And I really, I asked her like really quickly off the hoof and so really generous mm. of her to kind of put some time in. Because I think that, I think, you know, when you've got someone who's got direct lived experience, it comes at a cost to yep. share any personal stuff like this. Mm. So we've got, her, she's got her views, just a few thoughts from the perspective of a birth parent, which um, out of, from the horse's mouth, as it were. So yeah. we'll put that on and we'll, well, not return, we but we'll just put it on and people no, can listen because won't. I think she's, yeah. it, it speaks for itself. It's fantastic. Yeah. And before we do go, just a reminder, Minister Will Quince. Uh, yes. Begin middle of, middle front end of March. Any questions? Send them in. And to we have another guest address. as well, don't we? I said the, yeah. the email address is illuminati at dfe. <laughs> yeah, so if you want to send out an email, anfpodcast at gmail.com, uh, send it by DM or WhatsApp or whatever, whatever your whatever your connection is, feel free to ESP Pigeon. it or whatever. Letter. Yeah, send a fax. Um, and we forgot as well, so we got excited about with Quince, but we've also got another friend of the show coming back very soon, haven't we? That's who has a new true. book out, who we haven't spoken to. Actually, going to pin mm. her down on this because she's been very elusive on social media as well. Well, she hasn't connected with us. Maybe, I don't know, maybe we've done something wrong. Maybe we said mm. something wrong. Hard to imagine. S Sally Donovan is coming back on maybe mid to late March as well, isn't she? Um, with yes. her, to talk about a new book. Um, which a we are in the process book. of having, yeah, which is interesting. So we're waiting on that to be, uh, to wing its way through our letterbox. And uh, we're going to be talking to Sally after what must be 18 months, two years, I think, since the last yeah. time we talked to her. Yeah, at least. At least. <gasps> shocking, shocking. She's been in her southwest hideaway, probably. She has, with her crayons by the looks things if it's a children's book. So, yeah. Look forward to talking to her. About dismissing that. a whole genre there. And no, I didn't it. mean it like those. Stop putting bloody words in my mouth, man. Anyway, Charlotte, thank yeah, Charlotte. you so much. Um, uh, so, Scott, Bon Jovi. And Jovi. Uh, and I'll speak to you soon. Aye. Aye, lads. Aye. So, hi. <laughs> um, first of all, I just want to say it's great that you're covering this topic. Um, I guess it's a big step for anyone who's wanting to meet the child's birth parents. Um, from a birth parent's perspective, there's a lot of things that will be going on in their heads. Obviously, it's, it wouldn't have been an easy process that they would have gone through. So emotions are gonna be all over the place. And I think that's something adoptive parents are going to have mixed emotions about as well knowing that their child has been through what is potentially a stressful situation um for birth parents give us time and please be respectful that we are going to have mixed emotions it's not easy it's really not easy um we're going to have questions and we're not always going to have the support that adoptive parents will have in terms of like an adoption social worker. Quite often birth parents, as soon as it's the court's decision, we have our, like our goodbye contact and quite often there is no support left over. So we may not know what is right to ask, what questions we can and cannot ask. Uh, 
I mean, if you can write down the questions that you have for birth parents, but don't always expect the answers straight away. If you are open to the letterbox contact, those questions can be asked further down once all the height of the emotion has been sort of processed in a way because um, that way questions may be easier to be answered but also answers might be given but please respect that we're not always going to have the answers. I was really open when I met our son's adoptive parents. I knew from the moment the court made that decision I knew that it was never their fault. I couldn't be angry with them and I had to respect that they are going to be the mum and dad to my child. And in fact, one of the first things I said to them was, thank you for looking after our son. I do appreciate not all birth parents are going to feel that way. But an openness towards involving the birth parent in contact, in questions that the child may have, allowing the child to know about the birth parents is a, a big step for a lot of things. It means you can ask questions as like, yeah, what time was the said child born? What what did I weigh at birth? It's little questions. They are okay to ask. They may not be the best thing to ask straight away, but they are questions that definitely can be written down and passed on to the birth parent to then relay back. I would say ask questions about the actual birth parent themselves. I would say the biggest thing to ask is how are they doing? Um, one thing that our son's adoptive, like his mum, done for us, done for myself, um, was a photo of him, and I gave them a set of books that I had brought our son when he was born. Maybe if, so long as obviously there's no risks or there's no safety concerns, a little something on behalf of the child or like a little photo may be an okay thing to give the birth parent. Um, I mean, I appreciated that and it made a big difference to how I then started to look forward to like just waiting for that envelope, waiting for that letter to come through the post. Look at the way you start to consider how you're going to do contact. But I guess I, that's all situational differences. I cried. We cried. I cried a lot when I met our son's parents. When I met his mum and dad, I gave them a hug. And reassurance. It A lot of it comes down to reassuring the birth parents that their child is okay, their child is happy, they're safe, they're growing well. Depending on the age of the child, they're enjoying school, they're enjoying nursery, they've got friends, they've got cousins, they've got brothers and sisters. It's it's important to the birth parents just as much as it is important to the adoptive parents. Don't be afraid. Everyone's gonna have high mixed emotions. It may sound cheesy, but it is not about the impression that you make. Don't make it forced. Don't put on a smile just because you have to. Be open and honest, be transparent. 
at the end of the day, you're all hoping for the best outcome for the child. And if that means you meeting the child's birth parents is part of that, then that's only a bonus. That's a story you can go away and tell the child when they're older, like, oh, I met your birth mum, or oh, I met your birth dad. And we spoke about this, we talked about that, they shared this memory, we shared that. It's all in the benefits of everyone, but just be open and honest.